Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving and start to some of the rifle seasons, gun seasons here in Pennsylvania and throughout the East. I wanted to give a little bit of an update here on on how the first week of rifle season went here in Pennsylvania. So it's it's been it's been quite a few years since I've carried a rifle for myself. Um and you know, didn't fill a bow tag at all in either Pennsylvania or Ohio. And I was kind of going into this uh, rifle season on a little bit of a low, kind of bummed out about not filling a tag. And so I got to sit down with a good friend of mine, Jason Mears, who will be on this podcast. And and Jason's such a great guy and and a really really good whitetail hunter and photographer that I look up to in the outdoor space. So Jason and I sat down around the fire the night before hunting season opened up here as far as gun season in Pennsylvania. And at that point, you know, we were both kind of having slow years and trying to figure out, you know, where to go next and kind of our outlook on gun season. So with that being said, the uh, the first day of gun season was really eventful for me. Um, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail. I planned on talking about it here in this, this intro, but ended up kind of going through the story on the podcast that I'll be releasing next week with uh, Nick Berger, Ali D'Andrea, and Marta Dozy. So I, I recorded that podcast and ended up going into the detail, but I had a, a little bit of a, a tree stand incident that was really scary and and then ended up getting an opportunity at, at a target buck that I had and didn't pull through with it. I ended up wounding the deer actually with a shoulder hit and tracked him for a long ways and, and was not able to recover the deer. I am about 98.9% sure that that deer is alive and is fine but it was a, a, a pretty pretty uh, terrible um, experience. But like I said, I'll go into the whole detail on the first day here next week. But what I wanted to really cover was the hunt that I had here on, on Saturday, December 1st. So I was, um, ah, like I kind of was saying, I was, I was kind of getting a little bit burned out throughout the season here. It's been a long year starting with elk hunting September 1st and hunting almost continuously until now I um so I kind of went into it with a little bit of a different outlook I wanted to kind of just get back and relax and just hunt deer and really enjoy the process so went into an area that I had dubbed kind of the the buck nest and I, I stole that term from the hunting public. But this area ha- that I had found, I found it a few years ago. And as I'm getting to learn this area, I realized it's a, definitely a buck bedding area. And I kind of assumed that it was also 
a little bit of an area that would hole up deer during rifle season from all the pressure that was coming from the roads on each side of it. And so I just decided to keep the wind in my face and creep in to this area um, with the rifle on Saturday. It's a little over two miles from the nearest road to get to this point. And the, the way I went in, um, yeah, it was just, just over two miles. So I, I crept along kind of looking for some fresh tracks and, and caught some does um, moving and, and some big logging cuts, feeding and everything else. So it was just a great morning to get out. But actually before that, I woke up in the morning, alarm set at 4.30 and decided, again, I'm just going to, I'm going to take it easy and not put so much pressure on myself. So I cooked up some bacon and eggs in the morning, had a great breakfast, some coffee before I went out. And that was kind of a, a resetting moment. I got, I think I got, parked the truck. It was daylight already, just, just breaking daylight and just crept in once i once i was getting close to the the valley that i'm you know I, I, again i'd named the buck nest uh, the thermals were starting to pull up the hill so i moved out of the creek bottom and got up on the ridge and just snuck towards that area i had everything marked on my on my onyx hunt app where i had found these bucks before where they were bedded and as i was creeping towards the edge i mean just at a snail's pace I caught some movement and there were three does bedded in the area where the bucks normally were. And I just kind of watching them and one was getting up, moving around a little bit. And then they started kind of running a little bit. And I was wondering if I, you know, if my wind had changed or what, and nothing was making sense. And then I heard a grunt. I'm like, that doesn't, that I was kind of, you know, going back and forth in my head. There's no way there's a buck running on December 1st. And I caught, a flash of his antlers and then i caught another buck which was a spike buck um pushing these does around so the buck kind of went up above me a little bit into some thick beach brush at that point i slid up about 30 yards to another tree i sat down and grabbed my bleak call and i hit the can twice and within five seconds this buck came running in and I, um, he put his head up over a log in the front of his chest and I put the crosshairs on him and, and pulled the trigger and, and the buck dropped right there, went running up to it and wasn't really sure. I was like, did I miss or, or what? Because it fell behind a log over a bank a little bit. And sure enough, there he was, it was, you know, a beautiful Pennsylvania eight point. This buck I had I'd seen him uh, the previous year. I might have I might have passed on him actually in archery season. I wasn't sure this year, but in 2017 I definitely did. He came underneath my tree stand, and I took some video with my cell phone, and and it was just a cool deer to have a little bit of a I guess a little bit of a history with, and then being able to find him in his bedding area, call him out of that off those does on December 1st and, you know, put a good shot on them at, at that point. Like I said, I was just, you know, filled with emotion of excitement and everything else from this, this long season. So I was able to call my dad and who's who I always call first. And, and, and he's like, yeah, I can come help you out. So 
I actually uh, went out to meet him at the truck and grabbed I grabbed my different packs. So I was using a pack that uh, you'll you'll hear me talk about um, on the podcast that I did with the guys up in Alberta. It's a new uh, Sika pack that I'm not going to go into detail on yet but um i went out to get my sick of the mountain hauler so the the meat hauling pack the one i was using out west and my dad came in with his pack and we we quartered up the deer we did the gutless method on them so we skinned skinned it from the outside pulled all the quarters off got the tenderloins out back straps everything else and put in some game bags loaded up the packs and and carried them out if you've never tried this method before it's extremely efficient and a lot easier in my opinion than dragging them out when when you put them on your back like that it i don't know just it doesn't feel especially if you have two people we did the whole the deer in one trip and it didn't feel like it felt like i had less weight on my back than i did when carrying tree stand and and all my gear in so it wasn't terrible whatsoever and then all the work's done from the the quartering aspect as far as you just have to cut up the meat um in the steaks and ground meat and everything else but you don't need to go back and hang it and skin it and quarter it and all that stuff afterwards the the work's done from from that standpoint and so we, we carried the carried the deer out um my dad brought um a celebratory shot of fireball or a little bottle of it and had a shot and went back to camp and got to enjoy that whole experience it was it was great and and my family again this past week had done really well so the rest of my family that didn't fill buck tags ended up filling all of them in in this past week so my uncle mike killed a great 10 point my brother killed a a beautiful eight point um my aunt lisa she killed a 10 point and and a good friend of mine michael paladino who will be on a podcast here in a couple weeks he killed a, a beautiful buck as well and so it was just a good day and we had everybody up at camp and and going through that experience kind of the tradition that jace and i'll you know go into here on the podcast so it was like I said, awesome hunt and really kind of reset me what what I needed after after how this season has went. And looking back on it, it's been an unbelievable season, one that I wouldn't change anything for. And just and just kind of got to go back to my roots and get out the the Tika two seventy Winchester short mag that that my grandfather gave me, and it was just meant a lot to be able to get this deer so i i like i said I, I couldn't couldn't be happier with it and now i finally got some meat in the freezer and a little bit of confidence back and it's i mean the season is not over yet i do have a doe tag that i may try to fill in late season archery um kind of see how the meat situation looks i always like to have two deer that usually gets me through through the year so um, i haven't shot a doe since i was in college and the reason for that is in, in the area that that i hunt in northern pennsylvania the population isn't super high um but there's a couple areas that i have that 
that are pretty stable and I'm seeing a lot more does than normal so it won't hurt to take one out of the take one out of the herd I guess so I'll probably try to do that in late season and, and kind of just go from there but like I said awesome season everything everything you know works out the way that it's supposed to so I uh hope you guys enjoy this podcast with Jason and are having a successful season. We're back for another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast from the northern Pennsylvania mountains here in some snowy weather sitting around a fire with my good buddy Jason Mears. Jason, how's it going, buddy? Not too bad, but how you doing? Can't complain. I mean, we're sitting around a fire in the the snow. You know, kind of a little bit of a half-ass fire here, yeah. but it's, it's you starting. Bet you build it. <laughs> <laughs> you build it better than I would have, so that's all right. Cleared the snow out of the way on your um, your northern Pennsylvania uh, little piece of property here, a little piece of heaven, I guess, right? Yeah, I love it up here. I've been coming up here a long time. Uh, it doesn't get much better than this, you know, sitting around a fire, uh, drinking a couple beers, and I don't hear a peep. I don't know about you, but it's pretty quiet. No, we were just talking when... When I was setting the the mic um, levels here before we started recording, I was like, I can actually turn it up so we can hear each other a little bit better because we don't have any background noise. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that at all. And um, yeah, I was like you said, sipping on a couple beers, and to be specific, they're bush lattes, of course. Absolutely. And uh, <laughs> and uh, we're just hanging out here, uh, going to record a podcast the day before the Pennsylvania rifle season opener, when six hundred thousand plus of Pennsylvania's finest hit the woods <laughs> for the first day of rifle season. That's very true. Uh, it's good to be here, though. There's a long tradition. Uh, you know, for Pennsylvania hunters for years, I mean, so many camps up here and guys make the trip every year to come up and, and rifle hunt this area of the state. It's, uh, it's great. I mean, uh, not a lot of people bothering you. You got a lot of room, a lot of big wide open woods. And, uh, nowadays there's a lot of big bucks running around. So yeah, that's a good thing. It's not always been that way though. I mean, you, you've been around a few more years than I have been up here and, and where, where we're at right now is, is pretty close to where I grew up. I'm only 15 minutes away. So when you called me to come hang out here, it's, you know, it's a place I've grown up my whole life, but you've grown up here hunting your whole life as well. That's right. Uh, <clears throat> I started hunting, I'm actually going to date myself. I started hunting up here in 1991. Uh, it was my first year hunting. I actually came the year before when I was 11, uh, looked like a giant orange pumpkin in my Walmart jumpsuit, yeah. uh, you know, but, uh, things have really changed up here since then. I mean, there's still a lot of guys that come up here, but you know, back in the nineties and you know, the, the two thousands, there was so many camps just packed with guys, you know, uh, all the, all the local restaurants and bars were loaded up with people. And, uh, you know, by Monday night there was deer hanging everywhere. Um, <clears throat> you know, but it's really changed. I mean, there's still a lot of guys that come up, uh, the, the deer numbers aren't, you know, what they used to be, but, you know, back when I started hunting, you would see 50 deer a day, but you'd be lucky to see a spike, you know, now you, you never know what's going to come running past you up here. There's some absolute giants up here. Um, you know, bucks that would be considered giant bucks anywhere in the world for that matter. Yeah. And it's, it's different though, from the, the side that you might go the whole day without seeing a deer right, too. Right. You know, right. Um, a lot less deer and, but they do have, since there is less deer, they have as much food as they could want 
not like a, you're not looking at cornfields or any sort of ag, but what you're looking at is they can, there's so much browse available in these right. clear cuts and swamps and but wild cherry and yeah. And beach, things like that. But yeah. Um, <clears throat> just the, the, the deer up here get a, an opportunity to get a lot older than they used to. You know, I remember growing up that if a guy got a six point, you know, the first day of rifle season here in PA that, you know, he was doing really well and everybody in camp was pumped, you know, uh, <clears throat> things have changed. Let's, let's just say that, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, it's, it's a lot different now, but, uh, you know, I've had a lot of memories up here. It's been great. Uh, you know, I, I just love coming up here. I, I can't say enough about that from the time I was a little kid till now. And I'm hoping, you know, in the future I get to bring my son up here and we we can do some gun hunting up here, maybe some archery hunting and, uh, you know, just hiking or whatever. It's a, it's a great place to be in, in, uh, <clears throat> Pennsylvania. I mean, there's so much opportunity to do things up here, whether it's water sports, fishing, hunting, snowmobiling, you name it, you can do it up here. Yeah. And you were saying that you did bring up your son and your wife here this summer. Was it this past summer? Yeah. This summer I brought him up for the first time. It was great. You know, uh, we pitched a tent on the property here and, uh, all was well until uh, the coyote started howling down over the hill. But, uh, you know, <laughs> one thing I could say about my four-year-old, he uh, can't keep him out of the woods. He uh, he loves the woods, so I'm hoping that continues and, uh, you know, get get the opportunity to spend a lot of years in the woods with him hunting. Yeah. No, that's that's what's important about it. And, and it's cool, like you said, even if it's, you know, not for hunting, like you're getting up here in the summer and just getting right. him acclimated to this, yep. Yep. you know, these, you know, really wild places that we have up here and and you have you know public land up against the back door of your property here and right right and Nat- native trout stream right down there it's great uh some r- really good fishing up here too yeah uh, yeah that's that's really cool to be able to to do that and like you said be coming up here for a while and you know, since 1991, which I, again, I don't want to date yourself here, but that was a year before I was born. Oh, wow. Thanks. You're making me me feel great. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I like to do is really make my guests feel good on the podcast to begin with. But, uh, um, also though, Jason, like that Pennsylvania rifle season, I mean, it's, it's well known across the United States for how many hunters are here. But the thing that, that people don't, see a lot of unless you're experiencing it is how much this rifle season is a part of just getting people together and families together and friends together as we are sitting here oh, you know absolutely. now it's I mean, it's it, a lot about a lot more than just it's the hunt. it's not always about killing something you know i've always said that and um you know the camarader- camaraderie and hanging out with the guys and drinking a few beers and you know the old guys playing cards and things like that i mean I think that's part of the reason why I enjoy coming up here so much is because the memories I made when I was younger, you know, um, you know, it's just, it's just great, you know, story after story, you know, guys talking about their hunting experiences from the past. I mean, it makes, makes a really good, good, uh, time and a, and a, a good, good, it's a good thing to share with everybody. You know, I think, I think more people need to experience that in their hunting, their, their so-called career of hunting, you know, just being with a group of guys that are have the same passion and want to talk about the same things for you know three four days at a time it's you really get to know somebody and you you can have some really good times doing that yeah and and i i had uh, shared a post on instagram today about that kind of where you know most of the year i know you're similar like this i mean you go hunting with buddies and stuff but for the most part during archery season it's a solo type endeavor, you know, and that's great in its own mind. But sometimes, you know, there's a, the other side of hunting of, again, getting everyone together and just 
like you said, the, the camp life or like what we're doing here, you used to have a camp on the property, correct? Right, right. And, and now, even though you don't, you still say, come bring a tent up here, or sleep in the truck or sleep in the, you know, motel down the road, um, the five star yeah, and everything. You know, trying to keep that, tra- yeah, <laughs> trying to keep the tradition going. You know, I, I don't want to quit hunting up here. I've all, it was, it was a real struggle for me, uh, when I, when I wasn't hunting up here, uh, in gun season, you know, I'm from Southwestern PA and, it's a pretty crowded area. Um, not going to lie about that. And I hunt a lot of private land down there. And even when you're on private land, it's almost like you're on public land because there's always somebody there with you. Um, you come up here, um, <clears throat> you know, there's all the memories that you have, but there's not somebody in your back pocket. Everybody's spread out a lot more. So it's, uh, it, it just, it's a different experience compared to hunting down down in the in the southern part of the state there's a lot more ground obviously so um you know down down in southwestern pa i hunt anywhere from mainly in archery season hunt anywhere from 20 acres to 80 acres you know so it's it's a challenge in a lot of ways relatively Uh, small plots of land i mean that's right now that's not saying that hunting up here in these giant tracts of land is a is a whole different animal you know there's there's a lot of things you got to tackle up here as well but um you know Everywhere you hunt presents different types of challenges, but um, I think the older I get when I come up here, I kind of look forward more to just the quietness and, uh, you know, the the traditions and stuff. I mean, heck, we, we used to have traditions of just food we ate, you know, when we came to camp, well, you know, a big plate of spaghetti the night before opening day or, you know, things we ate for breakfast. So um, there's a lot of, lot of pros of coming and doing this type of thing up here in this part of the state. Yeah, and, and that's like, I mean... Last night I was at my own camp and, you know, you and I were joking about it at dinner tonight with uh, like, oh, you have a camp up here? I'm like, yeah, it's like a hundred yards from my house. And, uh, but you get all the guys together. We cooked up food. We do that every year on the Saturday before buck season, get everyone there, cook up food. You know, everyone's hanging out. Like you said, the older guys are playing cards over on the table, you know, towards the end of the night and, and you know, where everyone's getting pumped up about where they're going to go on I mean, the first day. What think about know. the majority of uh, schools are off tomorrow Yeah, in the entire state. I mean, that's how much of a big deal Yeah, huh? the first day of rifle season is in Pennsylvania. And uh, the factory that I work at, we have that as a holiday. Really? But yeah. So I don't, wow. that's, I don't even have to take vacation for it. So it's a, it's a holiday for the first day of buck season every year. That's a paid holiday for the guys that go out. That's so, nice. I have to talk to my boss. <laughs> yeah, when I was down in Pittsburgh like that, it wasn't uh, it wasn't that way for me. But <laughs> <laughs> up here, it's like, all right, no one's coming to work anyways because they're going to blow their points that they have right anyway. So do sick days. I can't blame them. Yeah, so that's that's a really cool aspect. Like I said, to hunt up here, and it's so different too. With um, I, I've talked about it before, but with a lot of the how remote it is up here. In, and just even taking rifle season out of an archery season, I have some places I can go to not see someone all year. And that makes it, that shows that like the whole public private thing isn't necessarily, okay, you're hunting public land. So that's harder than private land. That's not always the case at all. Not at all. It's every piece is, has its own thing. If you're, if you're in, you know, say Iowa and you have a 200 acre piece of land to yourself and you can manage it and do it that may be a little bit of a different story. Not It all has its own challenges, right. but I'm saying from like a pressure standpoint, when you're hunting like, and you'll be able to speak on it better than I can, but if you're hunting like a 20 to say 80 acre piece of land, like you're talking about, 
most likely the deer don't just live on that little piece of property. Right. And that, <clears throat> that can be super problematic, uh, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, when you get to the rut, I mean, obviously there's deer running around everywhere, but you know, you might have a particular buck who his home area is on 40 acres away from you, you know, and you might get, a, get an opportunity to see him, um, you know, maybe once or twice throughout the season. Um, <clears throat> so it really impacts how you hunt that property and, and what you got to do. And you got, you, you have to be super careful about the, the, the pressure that you're applying to that property, because, you know, I, I think of one particular place that I hunt, it's, it's max 20 acres at most, you know, and if, if I don't enter it correctly, or if I hunt it certain times of the week, to be honest with you, it, it affects how the rest of my week goes if I choose to hunt that property, you know, and, you know, <clears throat> those, those particular pieces of property happen to be bordered by housing plans or, you know, a couple houses here and there. And, you know, I see situations where like on a Saturday and a Sunday, you know, deer ac activity drops dramatically. And what that's a result of people doing yard work, you know, things like yeah. that. And that, that's how much or how easy the deer are influenced by what's going on around them because it's such a small piece of property. Um, so you have to be super careful about, you know, how much pressure you're applying to that particular piece. Um, property like that, you know, I, I it's, you know, I, it's a, a lot of influence on when I hunt it and why, you know, can't, trail cameras, weather, you know, pre, uh, barometric pressure, uh, you know, things like that. So I try to, uh, pick and choose when I hunt it and very rarely will I hunt a property like that in back to back days. Um, just because I, I, I just don't want that constant pressure being applied, especially in the early season. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's saying something for people that don't have a background on Jason or anything. I mean, he's, he's not going to sit here and tell you that, but he's killed some really good deer over the years and on these, you know, smaller parcels and in a highly pressured area. And you don't do that by being reckless with, uh, with, you know, your approach to it. And it's, and it definitely comes with a lot of frustration yeah. and <laughs> that is true. else as, as we'll get into, um, when we talk about kind of this year's hunting season, but that's, that's definitely something to, to be noted is it's just, it's extremely difficult to hunt those type areas and you, you got to have one, the right mindset going into it and two, just really cross your T's and dot your I's with it. You right. Know? Right. I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. And that, that's just something that, that I think, and, and again, I, I always try to stress it because the n number one thing that, that I see, and because we live in this, the social media world that we live in now, you always see people wanting to kill a deer. Oh, is that public or private? And it's almost like it's an automatic judgment from the beginning. There's, there's so much more behind it than is it public or yeah, private. There's, here's the thing, you know, it, if you're good enough to kill a deer anywhere, congrats to you. I don't care if you killed it on public or private, you know, you, you, you put effort in hanging a stand, doing your, doing your scouting and, and, you know, making that ethical shot and, and recovering that deer. Um, it doesn't matter to me if it's public or private. Yeah. Congrats. Yep. You know, that, that's, that's the way I feel at it. I, you know, I hunt both, um, you know, and just, I've shot deer on public land and I've shot deer in private and that, that public land deer doesn't mean any, any more to me than that private land deer. You know, I'm yep. happy with that deer regardless. So, yep. Cause you yeah. know, you put the work in and right. that's, that's all right. that, you know, comes down to at that point. Right. And yeah. And each one has its own kind of, I guess, special story for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And how that works. 
And we kind of kind of skipped over this a little bit here, but uh, Jason, do you want to give like kind of a quick background of yourself here before I start filling it with untrue stuff about you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a sickle whitetail ambassador. Uh, I've been doing that for about five years, I think. Um, also uh, with Ozonics, uh, great product, good people, uh, great company. Um, and I kind of like a freelance photographer. So, uh, it's something I really enjoy doing. Uh, I do some of that for a few companies, but, uh, you know, I guess it's one of them things that, you know, I remember being a little kid and my dad always would make sure that, you know, we took pictures of our deer and stuff like that. And it kind of stuck with me in a way, you know, and something that I've kind of taught myself over the years and something I really enjoy doing. So, um, that's about all. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 that's, that's for sure. Cause that's kind of how, I don't know how exactly you and I met, but I think it had to do something with. Yeah. I think being, you worked at a bow shop and, uh, you know, I think I was there for sicker or something and, yeah. uh, you know, end up becoming really great friends. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's speak for yourself here, but, uh, yeah, no, I think that's exactly how it was. It had something to do with you working an event on the behalf of Sika through Bucks and Bows and, yeah, and, uh, it's great. I mean, doing stuff in the, in the industry, I mean, you re- get to meet some really great people. I mean, you, uh, just so many people that I could think of that, you know, just chatting with throughout the hunting season. Uh, some of them you might not hear until the, from, you know, until the next hunting season. But, uh, you know, just really great people, super down-to-earth people, really nice. Would Some of them give you the shirt off their back, you know, yeah. just really good people. Yeah, I probably wouldn't today. It's kind of cold out. Yeah, yeah. I apologize, Jason. <laughs> well, I might take your shirt because I'm getting cold. But. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's that's kind of just want to give a you know quick background on you there, and 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 like we kind of alluded to there, is you've definitely have a track record of killing good mature you know Pennsylvania and in Ohio for that matter deer in some highly pressured areas and areas that aren't you know necessarily known for you know big deer coming out of it and you and i were talking earlier once again about like just kind of when you look across the united states each area has like you know what would be considered a good buck from a you know mature and say even a rack size um you kind of have to look at each area differently when you're you know comparing things through like you you shot that deer last year i think what he said he was over 140 was around 140 I mean, yeah. for southwestern PA, that's that's a really good deer. Yeah, know? that's a giant deer. I mean, that was that was an awesome, you know, kind of experience there. And but the, I mean, you can go, you can drive literally five hours from there, and most people wouldn't shoot that deer. You know, it just uh, it's crazy how things things in different areas are. But you know, I've I've passed a lot of deer this year. I've had a frustrating hunting season. Yeah. Passed a lot of bucks this year. Um, you know, should I, I don't know, you know, sometimes you got to wonder, is it worth the frustration? But, um, you know, I try, I have a certain standard that I try to hunt to, and that doesn't mean that that person over there or that person over there needs to hunt to that too. Shoot whatever makes you feel great. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I, I completely agree. And, and definitely no matter what, don't scold people. I mean, I Absolutely. hate that I have to say that. That frust- frustrates me when I see that. Yeah. If someone shoots a two and a half year old deer, which I've done and we all have, and, and you know, that type of thing, just don't it, be happy for them because obviously they pulled the trigger or hit the release for a reason and they, they were excited about it. They put the work in for it. Then, you know, they deserve nothing but a, a good job. Congratulations, you know, rather than. 
I saw a yeah, post on Facebook uh, a couple weeks ago, and it, it, there was a guy that literally had 30 years of hunting in, and he shot his first buck. And it wasn't a giant by any means, you know. Good for that guy. That's awesome. He stuck with it, with it for 30 years, never killing a buck. And, uh, you know, I was super pumped to see that for that guy. And, I mean, it, 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 was, it was maybe a two-and-a-half-year-old, if I recall. But, I mean, that, that's, that's great. Yeah. You know, I mean, and nobody should judge, you know, him for shooting that deer. No, definitely not. And, and I mean, hunting is hard no matter how you want to look at it. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, especially when you're getting into, you know, one, if you're hunting mature deer, you're hunting any deer, say with a, a bow or I, I, it doesn't even really matter. Whatever it is, it's not easy to do, you know. If, and, if it was easy, it wouldn't be any fun. Yeah, and I I that, that, <laughs> I think that's what why I'm so obsessed with it. I haven't really figured it out yet because some nights I'm pulling my hair out. Oh yeah, and laying uh, late in bed till one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, think of what you're doing wrong or second guessing all your judgment. I mean, uh, it just that just means you uh, are really passionate about it, I guess you know. But yeah, I mean that's that, that's happened to me several nights over the past few weeks and. Uh, you know, I keep going, keep plugging along, and I love it. Absolutely love it, you know. Yeah, we, yeah. we were talking about our hunting season. You and I were both in kind of similar situations. Well, are in similar situations right now right. with, you know. Tag soup. Hunting our asses <laughs> off and have a whole pocket, you know, full of tags currently. But that, um, and, and for you this year, you had really been focusing on a particular deer at least at the beginning there weren't you yeah i had one i was focusing on a lot in early season and then uh i kind of gave up on that deer to be honest with you uh just because of some run-ins that i had with people and you know hunting is supposed to be fun for me and uh, i don't want confrontation or anything like that so it it got to the point where as much as i really would have loved to have that deer hanging on my wall it wasn't worth the aggravation or confrontation that I was getting. So, um, kind of switched gears and, you know, I knew I had some other deer on uh, camera that had made it from last year. And, uh, so just so happened that they were around and, um, started focusing on them. And again, it was one of those things where just happened to be felt like one step behind or judgments that I made weren't necessarily the correct ones. And, I'm sitting here with a, t- a buck tag in my pocket. So yeah, we're both we're both sitting here, going to carry out the rifle, throw on the all the orange, and you know head out. I guess from that from that standpoint. And uh, but like 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 you and I when we were talking about it, it's one of them things that you have to make that decision and make it okay with yourself. Okay, so you're ch- chasing one certain deer. You know, at what point? Do you come across all these different roadblocks when you're like, I, I need to change, you know, because like you said, hunting is supposed to be fun for us. And with you, you, you know, had confrontations with, you know, adjoining landowners and everything else that just right. wasn't making it fun to right. chase that deer anymore. You know, I spent a lot of time in the woods and I frustrate myself, you know, pulling my hair out, um, you know, over, over particular deer. It happens every year. Uh to some extent and you know to throw in any aggravation like that from from people i just it's not something that i really need so um i i just try to separate myself from that as much as i can and uh you know move on and if that means you know giving up on a a particular deer uh so be it um 
I just hope he makes it through till next season. Yep, and then restart again. Right, and right. Another late nights and everything <laughs> else of going crazy about it. But that this year for me was the first year that I didn't. I mean, I had a particular deer that I'd been hunting for four years, and I was talked about him a little bit on the podcast before, but. I just had such a long history with them. I'd missed them and everything in 2015 and just wasn't, just had a really long run with this deer. And I just wanted that story to kind of end. And I think it ended before I even got a chance at it and kind of came to grips with that, that I'm pretty sure this deer's dead. Like he just, there's no sign of him whatsoever this year. And it kind of was like weight lifted off my shoulders from the standpoint of I'm going to hunt good deer i'm not hunting a certain deer and it was kind of it was kind of like a refresher for me to almost restart and get back to i was hunting you know just sign and I, I bounced around so many different areas this year just hunting sign and doing things like that rather than focusing on a certain deer and that was kind of cool from from yeah. that side of things too you know i really love that whole cat and mouse chase with specific deer but every once in a while i think i need that reset button it's kind of th- thinking of something similar on my drive up here today um, <clears throat> you know, we're, to- we're talking about focusing on particular deer, but one of the things that I'm actually super excited about tomorrow is just going into the woods blind. You know, we spend all summer and fall, you know, compiling trail cam pictures, naming deer, you know, trying to figure out their movements. And, uh, you know, there's something about me walking into the woods of Mar, not knowing what might walk past me. That has me super excited. Yeah. You know, I feel like sometimes down home, I have like every deer numbered, um, (laughs) (laughs) numbered and named and, you know, has his own little file on the computer and, and things like that. And, uh, (laughs) it's kind of exciting. Just, I think sometimes, you know, trail cameras and things like that take away that surprise element. Yeah. You know, and, uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but that's, that's something that I'm looking forward to tomorrow. It's just, you know, I might have a four point run pass. I might have some 150 inch, 10 point run pass. Who knows? But I'm pretty pumped either way. Yeah. (laughs) That that's awesome. Like, you know, I were talking about the trail camera thing where like you had, you were, you know, going to hunt one stand and you'd hunted it for a couple of days in a row. So you're giving it a break and then you check that camera the next day and he was there in daylight the day you didn't hunt him. And and then yeah, I had just, this. Uh, you keep pushing that knife in there a little bit deeper. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that that that's rough. I mean, I mean, then that happens. You know, it just so happened to be that you know that deer he was past that particular stand, uh, whether it be daylight or dark. You know, five times over a period of of eight days. You know, and I'd been pounding it every day and i normally don't pound a stand like that but you know that time of the year i'm gonna do it because you never know what's gonna come past um and there's just that one particular day i was pretty short on time i got out of work uh late that day i figured you know what i'm gonna hunt this other stand which happened to be where the particular buck that i gave up on earlier in their season was running so i'm thinking maybe you know there's a, a slim chance that he will be in the area and maybe he'll come walking past behind a doe or be locked down on a doe and come past. Um, there happened to be a, a cornfield that a lot of doe moved through. And, you know, I was like, talked myself into it, you know, sitting there at work all day, you know, and then I see what time I leave and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a good choice. I'm going to go hunt that stand. Well, it, it burned me because that other buck that I was hunting, you know, he came past five after, after 10 or uh, excuse me, 10 after five that evening, you know, right past the stand. Yeah. But, 
what are you going to do? I mean, that's, that's, uh, it's just luck of the draw really. Uh, you know, and that, that's the way it goes. I mean, that's hunting. Yeah. And then that's, like I said, I, same thing. I was last day, got back from Alberta, had this, you know, one stand, I had two stands I was going to go to, went to the one the day before, pulled the camera card and had some bucks moving on it. And I'm like, this is perfect spot. Well, then I, I was, took another 50 steps after checking the camera, ran into a guy with a dog running all through there, carrying a trail camera in his hand. And I'm just like, I'm going to go to the other spot <laughs> away from people. I just don't like being around people. And I'm like, he's walking all through here, probably blew it out. And well, I checked that camera and one of the bucks I was after a real nice eight point was there at eight thirty in the morning, that last morning at, you know, 35 yards from my stand. But it's, it's funny you say that because I, I moved some cameras yesterday and, uh, you know, I think a lot of times we get in this mentality that, hey, we need to go the deepest that we can go, the furthest away from somebody, and that's where the big bucks are going to be. And that's not necessarily true. No. You know, <laughs> I, I I moved a camera that I had moved two weeks prior that I didn't have a lot of action on. And there was a little area that came up along a property line that was literally, I mean, bear with me, I'm in southwestern PA here, literally, you know, behind somebody's yard. So I put a camera down in there within an hour, boom, 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 deer after deer after deer, you know, and it, okay, there's a bunch of doe coming through there. It's just a matter of time before the bucks come through. But, you know, in the back of my mind, I had this in my head that I need to get as far away from that as I can. But, you know, that that's not always the case. You know, I, yeah. I think you just need to, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the words I'm looking for right there are, but you know, just kind of settle yourself down a little bit in a way and just kind of rethink things, do a double, double take on, on what you're thinking, because, uh, you know, being, being deep and being, you know, far away from everything is not necessarily the case, especially with a whitetail. I mean, a whitetail is a, a creature of habit. They love edges, you know, somebody's yard, they're probably going to come along the edge of somebody's yard at yeah. some point, you know? Oh yeah. And, and that, that even happens around here. And I've, I've said it and had this experience last year with, with, uh, the, the one white tail that, that my ex-girlfriend shot, uh, that we, that was killed a hundred yards from a road, Wow, you know? And, um, and, uh, I'm not going to go to a whole lot of detail on, on that. I've talked about the story of that deer before, but it was r- really just an overlook spot. So it wasn't like a normal parking spot to get off the road, but it was right off the road and just. But an overlooked was, area overlooked because it was by the road overlooked by me for you, <laughs> yeah. you know, and these guys think they have to go to the top of that mountain to find a big buck. And that's not necessarily the case. And I'm bad with that. A lot of times. And sometimes that is we good. all are. And, but sometimes you just gotta think, okay, is this being overlooked by other people? And is, is this still have everything that the deer would like? Well, then let's, let's, uh, let's not overlook that. And I ended up finding the spot in the spring scouting, looking for this specific deer and found that spot. And I'm like, there's, this almost seems too good to be true. Well, it ended up working out, but it, that just, again, is just a lesson learned from that standpoint of, and, and again, I learned it from this experience, even though I ran into a guy and stuff, it doesn't always mean it's going to be bad. You right. Know? Right. And, and I'm, I'm notorious for that too i mean there's been times where you run into somebody and you think oh the whole area is blown out you know and that eh, you know uh, 
at that point, you're not giving the animal any benefit of the doubt. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, they they get big for being for a reason. You know they're not they're not dumb. You know, and uh, it's it's easy to let's let get that into your head where somebody might have blown every deer off of a flat or off of a, out of a valley or whatever. But you know, th- those deer are smart. They'll figure it out. They'll get around them. Yeah, so. definitely. And like, so how like for the season that you've had here and and that I've had and everything's it can be really tough to kind of keep that mindset of keep wanting to go but and in my opinion you just got to keep doing it just one day at a time keep that in front of you and i don't know if it's like i you and i are a lot of like i don't like to admit that but um (laughs) from the standpoint of you know we're we obsess over deer and hunting and everything else and and wanting to you put so much time in it you feel like you just I don't know. For me, I feel like I just, I'd want to succeed so bad at it that it, it, it really takes a toll on you when you, things don't work out. Oh yeah. I mean, it, there's been a lot of times, you know, you sit and stand and like, you just sit, you have nothing but time to think about stuff and you're, <laughs> you know, you're sitting there thinking, you know, I put so much effort and work into this year and why can't this just happen already? You know? Yeah. Um, you know, some days it is, it's extremely hard to get out of bed or, you know, you're talk yourself into going out and setting in freezing rain and things like that. But, you know, I haven't got a buck this year and, you know, in either state, but I've had a good season. You know, I've, I've passed a bunch of deer. I, I could, I could be tagged out on bucks and, you know, I got two doe in the freezer and, you know, that's a good season. I was, I was successful. Yeah. I got, a, I got a couple deer, you know, feed my family and, you know, I took my four-year-old out to help me track a doe this year. That was awesome. Um, you know, in for me to look upon that this season so far as being bad, that's just being stupid. You know, I've I've had I've had fun. I've you know I've hunted Ohio with with my best friend, and you know we're sitting here talking. You know, if you know my parents hunt, you know my both my mom and dad hunt. You know, I get all their stories and things, and you know just talking to people all the time. It's been a great season. Um, you know, and I I guess that's the things you got to look at. I mean, it's so frustrating, so frustrating sometimes, you know, uh, you know, just like almost talking to yourself, you know, you know, how things didn't work out. And I mean, but at the same time, you know, I, I have two and a half months of hunting left yet, you know, between here and Ohio. So I look forward to that, you know, and if, if I don't get a buck, it's my own fault. Yeah. You know, I just work harder next year or try to figure things out a different way and, and keep trying. And that, I guess that's what keeps me going more than anything is it's, it's, it's like a chess game. Yeah. You know, and it, I guess if you were successful all the time with it, sometimes it, maybe you'd lose a little bit of that spark and that fire and maybe you'd lose your edge because say you're so used to being it, maybe you're taking shortcuts some way I, I, you know, for me, I, I know when I came into this season, I, I felt really confident on I killing a deer in Pennsylvania. I did too. And I really think that I didn't, again, cross my T's and dot my I's on a lot of things with, I, I don't know. I just, I was just so confident and, and, um, I guess that it would happen. I've always had an opportunity. Yeah. I've always had an opportunity and, 
And I, I took shortcuts this year. I mean, I know I did. And I was so focused on my Western hunts and, and doing some other things and working on the business. And I could go through a list of excuses that long enough to this podcast, people would turn it off. But it's so in reality, kind of humbles you to be like, all right, get back to it. You don't, yeah, whatever you, whatever you did yesterday or last year, doesn't matter. You had to focus on well, right Sometimes now. whatever you did last year doesn't even work. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. uh, it's a, it's a pretty valid point that, you know, the property I shot that nice 10 point on last year here in PA, um, <clears throat> about a quarter mile away, there was a bean field and, uh, that was my first year actually hunting that property. You know, I lucked out, I walked in there, figured it out, got it done. Um, so, you know, I went into this season thinking, you know, I got five or six bucks that made it through that I'm super pumped about that I would shoot any of these deer in PA. And, uh, you know, turns out the bean field wasn't there this year. It was just a three foot tall brush field. They didn't plant anything. You know, I had one year of experience hunting that property. So everything changes when you take away a giant bean field. You know, I go in there this year and it's, nothing's the same as last year. So I f it's, it's fun because I feel like I'm re trying to relearn the property but at the same time, it's really frustrating because I know what I did in there last year. And, uh, you know, it's just, I don't, I just don't have enough intel on the property yet. Cause I haven't been hunting there long enough. Um, so when, when you take away a major food source like that, you know, deer moving from different areas they're feeding in different areas or bedding in different areas, um, it becomes a real challenge because you keep in your mind, you keep wanting to go back to how things were the year before, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, you kind of almost got to just forget about it and re relearn the whole thing. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's true. And then, yeah. And the food sources constantly change and right. it's like that way in the, in the big woods here and everywhere I go, all of a sudden it'll be August and they're logging a new area. Yeah. yeah. Like what? <laughs> like, yes. Okay. That creates a great food source. And that's awesome. But what, all my travel patterns that they were running before that scrape line that they had is now there's not even a tree there. And the case of this year is my, one of my drill cameras got taken out. Oh. By, <laughs> That's by, not good. Yeah. Buy some big equipment. But uh, <laughs> so uh, that was a uh, kind of, you know, an eye opener, but things like that happen all the time and you got to be able to adjust to it. And, and again, keep that positive mindset. That's so tough. And, and it, sometimes it's good to, you know, say you and I call each other up and bitch a little bit about things that are going on, but that just kind of resets you and gets you back on the right mindset of... Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just good to have conversation with other people. I mean, they can get you, like you just said, refocused and reset and kind of talk you down off the ledge sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's not like that I like hearing anybody else having a bad season, but it makes me feel a little bit better sometimes, you know, when it's like, if you're having struggles, I'm like, all right, I'm not the only guy on the earth right now, because if you go on social media, I'm pretty sure I'm the only person that didn't kill. Well, I, that's what I was just going to say. I, <laughs> <laughs> social media does not help with that. Cause I feel like my feed is just full of people shooting big bucks. Right <laughs> me too. <laughs> oh, it's and I'll, every time I'll say congratulations to him. Like, yeah, man, can't wait. Hopefully, I can't wait to see yours. I'm like, yeah, me too. And then you hit unfriend. <laughs> yeah, gone. <laughs> I don't need that negativity. I don't need your big buck killing on my feed. Yeah. Oh man, that's funny. That's that's exactly how it how it works. So and 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 again, that's what it's good to have. 
you know, friends like you and everyone else that, that you can talk to and, and not go crazy with it. Uh, so another topic I kind of wanted to get in here and switch gears a little bit was you'd mentioned about you go to Ohio. Yeah. And how long ago did you start kind of going out of state? Uh, my first my first year hunting Ohio was 2004. And then uh, I don't think I went out of 2005. And then 2006, I've, I've hunted every year out there since 2006. Okay. And what, I mean, and you go out with Rob, uh, Rob Jelinski, who's a good friend of yours and, yeah. and a good friend of mine as well. And that that's, I'm sure that's kind of a cool aspect again, from being in Pennsylvania, mostly hunting by yourself or anything to being able to go out there and work as a team with him on that. Yeah. I mean, there's been, there's been a lot of instances over the years where, you know, Rob shot a buck early and, you know, he's kind of played the guy that does the reconnaissance for me from the fields, you know, watching things and it's helped me kill deer, a couple deer, um, you know, and, and vice versa. Um, it's worked out for us, but it, it's good to have, you know, we're probably too diehard about it. You know, I mean, it's good to have somebody that we're, you know, we're both obsessed with, with this farm that we hunt. Um, it's great. You know, we talk about it all year long, make plans. Where are we going to hang new stands? What are we going to do? Where you want to put this camera? You know, it's, uh, it's really fun. Makes it a lot of fun. Um, uh, you know, I'm going to be sad one day whenever we're, we, we're not able to hunt that farm because of that reason, you know, we're, we're so focused on it and I swear we have, we know every deer trail and things like that. But even then, I mean, we do know that farm like the back of her hand and we, we don't kill bucks there every year. You know, it just, sometimes it's not in the cards. Yeah. And then say, you know, if you did have to switch it up and go to a new property or you couldn't hunt that farm anymore, I mean, at that point you'd, you'd have to adapt and and figure it out again, you know? And of course that's a tough situation, (laughs) but I think that's one you know, guys that are successful year after year hunting, you know, I think one of the reasons that they are is because they're flexible. They adapt, you know, and I think the minute you kind of stop doing that, you're, you're going to lose that edge and you're, you're not going to become as successful as you were because, I mean, we're hunting wild animals, you know, and they don't always do the same things. Everyone's different. Uh, just like, just like people, you know, they, they do different things and, and things like that. So, um, I think you kind of got to take every, every season out there as a learning experience and try to learn from it and, and adapt to the next, you know? Um, but yeah, Ohio has been great. I love it out there. Uh, you know, it's, I remember when I first, first went out there in, in 04, it seemed like it was huge to me, you know, deer running everywhere, you know, big deer, uh, you know, hunting here in PA, it's a highly pressured state. Ohio was the first place I went and hunted where I actually had success rattling and grunting and things like that. You know, I think it feels like sometimes here in PA, they hear it so much, they don't even respond to it. Um, you know, I went out there and I remember hunting that year and I grunting at a deer and it come like right to the tree, you know, and I rattled and I, I remember rattling one time and, uh, actually, that is probably out of any deer calling that I, that I've done, that's probably the one that I have the least success with. And, uh, you know, went out there and actually had, had, uh, had some success with it. And then, you know, end up we, what all started it for Rob and I was we went out one year and, uh, we both shot some pretty, pretty good bucks that year, you know, in the same day. And, uh, kind of like set the stage, you know, 
helped us build upon our friendship and, you know, it set the stage for all the hunting for years to come. And that was, that was in 2008 that that happened. And, you know, it's, that's 10 years ago and it's been all downhill since, but, uh, we've made a lot of memories since that's for sure. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that like that you guys have hunted that together for that long, um, shows that you found a good hunting partner and you guys, yeah. you know, work together because that's very difficult thing is to find someone else that one has the same goals as you two that you can you can you guys can both come to grips that to hunt kind of together you have to be selfless and gotta truly want the other person to have as much success as you do yeah to make it work if you go into it with any sort of greed or anything, oh yeah it doesn't and work it's it's one of those things where we've never um you know, we've always been super excited for each other when we shoot deer, whoever shoots one first. And sometimes that means, you know, losing a half a day's hunting to help somebody get their deer out or, you know, or lose, you know, losing a, a day's hunting to track deer, but we're there, we're there. You know what I mean? It's, whether it's me or him, you know, it's something that we, we know we do and we're excited for each other as much of it, as it was our own deer. And that, you know, that, that's really cool. Um, you know, and anybody anybody that you know has a hunting partner out there that like that knows what i what i'm talking about but um yeah i mean ohio is ohio is great you know I, i'm just fortunate enough that i'm i'm able to hunt two different states and i i can be in the other one in pretty short drive so um ohio is probably somewhere that i'll probably never quit hunting i can tell you that yeah you know? like you said if if something happened where you were to lose a property or anything else you'll figure it out yeah it might not yeah. be the, the first it might year. take a year or two yeah, but you'll if you want it bad enough, you'll figure it out. Oh, it, absolutely, and that's 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 half the battle too is wanting it bad enough, you know. And that, that's yeah. with anything, not just hunting, you know. That's anything in life. Yeah, no, there's because you're gonna come across roadblocks. You're gonna come across everything, and and as you and I have joked about, you know, it seems like we like to, to take the hard way on everything and not intentionally. It just <laughs> always ends up that way, whether that's waiting to the last possible day of the season to kill a deer. Again, not intentionally, but yeah. that's the way it works out. Yeah, or, we've always had that conversation about Ohio because it always seems like, you know, he tags out early and then I got to I gotta wait to get it done for like the last half day that I'm there, you know, and then I'm getting <laughs> home late and it's, yeah, but whatever. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's what they joked around about right before I went to Alberta. Uh, my family was joking around. I had a half day to hunt in the morning and then I had to get out and get on my flight and stuff. And they're like, I know what Bo's going to do. He does this all the time. He's going to kill a deer the last 15 minutes in the stand. <laughs> He's going to be rushing around, trying to get out of the woods, get it hung. Miss your flight. It's, yeah, it's going to be a complete, you know, cluster. And, uh, and that's just, I don't know, that's the way it happens sometimes. Hey, you go up there and uh, shoot a big buck. I'd gladly miss my flight over one of those deer. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> Oh, heck yeah. That's, that's exactly right. Uh, so, um, Jason, like it, we've talked about kind of hunting, you know, the pressured whitetails in Pennsylvania, we've talked about hunting specific deer and then kind of like you're going to different places like Ohio and, and adapting and everything when it does come together and even the whole process of it. Uh, one thing that, that I've noticed from you is, and we touched on a little bit earlier was your photography and kind of how the photos that you take and I'm not saying this just because you're sitting here, but they're are inspiring as far as I think like for me from, I like taking photos myself. So I like seeing different people's styles and how they're doing it and learning stuff from them. But from this, the standpoint of 
other hunters that may say look up to you or or look up to your photos and seeing stuff and really capturing everything in a tasteful um mind mindset and what what has kind of motivated you to to keep to keep doing that and keep kind of pushing the envelope of photography uh like i said earlier i mean my dad kind of instilled that in me when i was younger you know taking pictures of you know our animals just to be able to you know save the memories and things like that i got I got photo albums at home over the years of, you know, trips to Canada. And, you know, I, I have pictures of every deer in a photo album that I've ever shot. You know, it's just something I've always done. But, um, you know, when it comes to photography stuff, and I'm by no means a prof- professional photographer. But for me, I like being able to tell a story of what I'm doing throughout the season. Um, you know, sometimes I, I'll spit a few out here and there. Sometimes I got a bunch. You know, I'm a little more successful uh, you know, that particular hunt, but, um, I like telling the story to people through pictures. Um, you know, and I, I try to try to be a little different in how I take the photos. Um, you know, a good camera helps, you know, and editing software and things like that. But, you know, last year, somebody I know randomly texts me about, Oh, you got to show me how to take photos one day, you know? And I'm like, well, you know, what do you mean? You know, <laughs> he's like, just, just the way you take them and stuff. I'm, and then I started thinking to myself, uh, you know, what's so different about it? You know, the, the way I take the photos and it, I think it's, you know, how you present the photo. It's, I think what I told him that particular day was angles. If you want to take a unique photo, change up your angles, you know, a photo, um, you know, I could take a photo of you setting here, straight on photo, horizontal, and then I can go over there and take a photo from a different angle, low to the ground with the light from the fire on your face, and it's going to look a thousand times better than that straight, horizontal, bland photo that I took. Yep. You know, and I I try to incorporate that a little bit into, you know, the way I take my photos. Um, sometimes it's challenging. Some of the photos I take, I take from a tripod myself, you know, I'm trying to demonstrate a product or, or just show a particular scene on, you know, if you, you know, putting that out there to somebody that's a non hunter, if you were a hunter, this is what it would look like, you know, and I guess angles yeah, is all I got to say. <laughs> how, how difficult is it? And I'm saying this because I, I know, and it, it's, it's, from my experience of taking your own photos, how difficult is that running on a timer oh, and, get, and hard. getting it in focus and doing it's extremely hard. Else. Thank God for autofocus. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be impossible, but you know, it, it's, it's a challenge. I mean, you take, you take so many photos to get one good one. Yeah. You know, and even then, you know, that particular photo might l- look good to me, but it, it might be okay to you. You know, everybody's eyes different. Um, so you know, it, it's fun though. I mean, I, I like it. I, I taught myself to do what I do, you know, and I, I can kind of pride myself a little, a little bit on that. You yeah. know, I, I think they're, they're decent, you know, like I said, I'm not a professional photographer, but you know, I think it's just like hunting. I think photography is one of those things. That there's always something to learn. Yeah. And all the, uh, there's definitely is. And, and when you're talking about autofocus, that's funny because I bought a, a wide angle lens recently, a Rokinon and it's it's only manual focus 
I, I, I didn't spend the money to get the next one. And I was trying to take this picture of, uh, I shot a turkey a couple weeks ago and I literally hung my camera body on a tree limb hanging down. I had this idea, this photo in my head, again, angles, you know, it's coming down and I'm like, turn it because i can't see the screen i don't have a flip out screen. i'm like turning it and i get down there and after 10 seconds it snaps a few photos and i'm looking ah, blurry and i'm trying to get it in focus and oh my was that a mess uh, if you would have saw me doing that you'd be like who's this <laughs> idiot out in the woods and, yeah and last year when uh the, the one photo that that i took that it ended up being a diverge finalist there that, that was, was a great photo. But that was good. Thank you. But that was completely by accident. Like, I, it was just something I had an idea in my head. I put the camera up over my head. It was just twisting the the, the focus ring and just snapping, yeah. just going through. And when they were critiquing it on the, the – when they were judging it, they're like, her eyes are out of focus. I'm like, well, yeah, that's that's true because I, I, I was struggling trying to get that in there. But it, it's funny just the challenges that right. you go through to try to I get think, that right. I think if we establish anything in uh, this podcast is that there's a giant correlation between photography and hunting and how much you can overthink things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And yeah, and the, the fact that we both struggle with both of them pretty hard. Right, you know? right. <laughs> but it's, it's fun. I, I love doing doing it uh, like you do and like i said i get inspired by seeing people like you and and your photos and some of the creativity with it and just ah, there's there's well i appreciate that but i mean there's so many good good photographers out there um you know and you you see some of these photos and they're like breathtaking you know and like i think that kind of helps push me along too it's just um not only to be able to go to those places but be able to capture an image like that and show it to somebody and you know that person be like oh wow that's just absolutely a beautiful place yeah. you know and that, that that's really cool to me yeah and so um just from um i guess the aspect of like what camera you're using and stuff what what camera body do you use in for these photos uh, i actually use a uh, nikon d500 is what i have right now it's a crop sep- sensor camera um and my, my, the lens that i use more than anything is a uh, 18 to 70 uh f4 lens okay that 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 was gonna be my next question. Is what's your go to kind of lens with? Yeah, I probably use that more than anything, just because it kind of fits the range that I'm taking, uh, the type of photos where I'm trying to depict something that I'm doing. Um, I do have you know some other lenses like a macro lens and uh, like a, a seventy to three hundred millimeter lens that I kind of use for zoom shots and things like that. But um, I probably use that lens more than anything. Okay. Looking to upgrade here soon. Uh, there's some new, great new cameras that have recently just come out. So uh, hoping to um, pick one of those up soon and, you know, relearn that camera. And, you know, hopefully it helps me and see what we can do. Put yeah. some good content out there. Yeah, it's it's fun. I, I, um, I'm running just a, an entry-level Canon T5i Rebel body. Okay. And... That's a nice. That's a nice camera. I mean, Canon doesn't make a bad camera. No, no, it's it's a great body. I mean, it shows that like you don't need like the ultimate top, but once you learn the camera, that was the biggest thing. I wanted to learn how to use the functions of it and get through it. And I'm kind of at the point where I feel like I'm starting to outgrow it. Not from the the, say, I'm not going to be able to take the 
way better photos with another camera, but just from an ease of use standpoint. And like, you know, I'd like a camera that had a screen that flipped out a little bit so I can get better lower angles. You know, I'm not laying down on the ground trying to look on the screen and, you know, do things like that. And just some little stuff. I've been looking at the new Sony's, the mirrorless cameras. Yeah. Yeah. Nikon just came out with one too, which is pretty nice camera. Um, I think one thing though, like I've talked to guys and they've asked me before, you know, what kind of camera are you using? And, you know, I'll tell them and, you know, they're just getting into it, you know, and I'm like, I don't think you need that camera. I think you should try this entry level camera. And, uh, you know, they end up doing that and they start taking photos and they're not happy with them. And <clears throat> I think the missing link for them, you know, and, and the thing that's going to kind of put them to the next level is, is, is a software, you know, with any digital camera that light, you know, Photoshop Lightroom or, 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 Adobe Photoshop, you know, you're able to do things in with digital photos now and in in that software that you're going to make the photos pop. You, you can, you can change the angles, you can do things. And, you know, that everybody thinks it's just the camera and, you know, if you're really good, yeah, it probably is just you and the camera, you yeah. know, but like I said, we're not professionals, Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, that software is a great tool. You know, yeah. it's going to allow you to do things to that photo that you, you couldn't even imagine. Lightroom was the best. I think it's $10 a month that right. I spent exactly. on, on something being able just to change a little bit. I mean, if you take like a, a really good photo, you don't need to do a whole lot to it, but you can make some really cool effects and make things pop or sharpen things up or, you know, change it. Like I, I, one thing I learned that was big was I struggled with sunny days taking photos. Like I struggle with it and I realized don't overexpose it. So I started turning it down. They might look darker on my screen, but in post you can lighten things exactly. up easier than you can darken things. Yep. And that was a big deal. And then even like getting a couple different lenses, um, not worrying as much about the camera body, but the lenses, I spent a hundred dollars on a, a nifty 50, they call it, which is a 50 millimeter fixed, you know, uh, it's an yeah. F 1.8 camera or, um, uh, aperture. And that lens like changed so much for me. And then I got a wide angle lens. I'm just slowly getting these lenses and learning different things with each one of them and different shots. And yeah, that wide angle lens going out West, I'm sure. Oh yeah. It's unbelievable. It was freaking the game changer to have that, you know, and, and, and just getting some different cool angles and shots and stuff. So it's, it's all learning thing from the photography standpoint. And like I said, I am by far a entry level person when it comes to it, but I just like learning it. And like I said, learning from you and learning from other guys and girls and everything else and trying to, to just continually get better with it and be able to share tasteful images that hopefully inspire somebody to whether they want to pick up a camera or they just like, oh man, that looks sweet. I want to go there. I want to do that or, or whatever it may be, you know? Yeah. I think the biggest thing too, you know, when I, when I do my photos, um, I'm not big on the, uh, the whole, let's take a picture of the heart and you know things like that and you know uh there there's a huge debate and we probably shouldn't dive into that uh, for a, we could we could spend hours talking about this but yeah. you know it, you got to remember your audience nowadays you know and it's not necessarily the uh the, the type of thing that I want to depict you know whether you know like if uh you know my my wife's side of my wife's family, none of them really hunt, you know, and if I showed them this picture of me holding up a big heart, 
you know, I don't necessarily rockhead hole on it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they'd feel about that, you know, and like, you know, they're accepted of hunting and they understand it and things like that. But you know, would that would that sway them a different way, you know, or like, you know, just blood everywhere and things like that. So, you know, but I I get the other end of it too. You know, I remember years ago, back when I had my scent company, I had posted a picture of a, a doe I'd shot, and you know, the tongue was hanging out, and it happened to be late, and you know, there, there was blood on its face and I, I'm, I'm not about saying you should go out and wipe your deer down and do things like that. But I had, I actually had somebody send me a nasty message and told me that he was unfriending me and never buying my product again because of that particular picture. And as much as I disagreed with him, it kind of set with me a little bit because that obviously had some, inf- that particular picture had some influence on him so much so that he would not ever buy my product again, you know? So I, th- I think sometimes we should, we need to be a little careful of like what we're taking photos of and what we're portraying out there. Yeah. And it's and like you said, it's all about your audience. So like right. Instagram and Facebook and stuff, anybody can see that on there where it's different of, okay, say you made a good shot on deer and you took out the heart and you send me a photo through a text message. Yeah, cool. I'm not going to get offended by right. it. I'm not going to throw a fit, but that's not something that maybe you want to put out there for, you know, everyone else. But I mean, I don't know how many times, you know, in the past couple of hunting seasons, just on social media, I've seen people that I'm friends with put up posts where, you know, anti-hunters have, have threatened to kill them and, and made nasty comments and things like that. And, you know, I guess my thought is just, let's not put ourselves in those situations. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. Try to avoid it. And, and that's by no means saying you're apologizing for being, a no, you shouldn't have anything. to, shouldn't have to apologize. That's no, definitely just, not what I'm saying. Yeah. No, no. I, and, and I, I completely agree with what you're saying. It's just, you, you, uh, it, you gotta know your audience and it's just the world we live in now. Yeah. And you have to, again, as we said with everything, you got to adapt to it and, and I guess overcome it. But we're, I mean, we're, like I said, we're constantly under attack, you know, for what we love to do and, um, I think not having any confrontation is better than negative confrontation. Yep. I, I completely agree. Well, I guess on that note, Jason, is there anything else that you want to add? No, just, uh, good luck tomorrow. Yeah. Hey, you too. Appreciate and it. Hopefully you're, you're calling me and, and with some, some good news. I hope so. And that we don't have to record another podcast in two months saying like, all right, we got to get ready for next year because we both have tags. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm just, hopefully uh, I'm not calling you that I wrecked my truck in the morning because the weather got nasty and, you know, things froze up. But uh, yeah, that's, that's the other that's, thing. That's the, that's the one thing in the back of my mind right now. But, uh, you know, hopefully that'll be good. And hopefully we, uh, you know, can take some bucks tomorrow and, and wrap up the season. Yep. And just, uh, yeah, like you said, put a, put a, uh, period at the end of this season story and and well still got ohio and everything but wrap it up and and hopefully continue the pennsylvania t- tradition absolutely appreciate you having me on bo yeah but before uh before we go real quick do you want to give uh the audience any place they can find some of your photography and any of the other stuff you're messing around with yeah sure um you know i post most of my stuff on instagram it's uh jay mears 3650 and uh, you can find me out there on instagram okay Appreciate well, that. That's great. And again, Jason, thanks for uh, having me up here, having some dinner, having a couple lattes around the fire at your at your family's property, which you know means a lot to you here, and it means a lot to me to invite me up here. So appreciate it. Uh, anytime, Bo. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Take care, buddy. You too. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.